0: What's up, everybody? This is Mike Matarazzo, host of Kitchen Brain Podcast. On this episode of Kitchen Brain, I'm talking with United States Army Sergeant First Class Retired Rose Picard. Rose has an incredible story of uh, accomplishments and obstacles followed up by more accomplishments. Truly inspirational. Rose takes us through how she went from executive pastry chef in the civilian world into the United States Army. Uh, how she overcame her battle with breast cancer, uh, how she uh, pushed through everything and was able to achieve some of her goals, including numerous uh, medals won in pastry competitions, culinary competitions. A true inspirational person. I'm sure you're going to love this episode. Kitchen Brain Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. Let's go. Kitchen Brain. Okay, so here we are, Kitchen Brain Podcast. Uh, I have a very, very special guest today. Uh, we're going to be talking today with Sergeant First Class, retired Rose Picard. Um, Rose is somebody who's very special to me for a lot of reasons, and I think you'll you'll see those reasons as this interview progresses. But um, we're gonna we're gonna let her tell uh, all the details of her story. But there are so many points. Of, of great inspiration in, in her story, starting out as a uh, pastry chef in the, in the civilian world, uh, deciding late in life to join the army and, uh, and some some really incredible uh, obstacles that she overcame and, and everything that she did while she was in the army. Uh, it's, it's just an incredible honor to know her and to have her on the show. Um, she also did a, uh, a special training program uh, called Training with Industry when she was in the army. And uh, me, myself and my team were fortunate uh, to have her do that program at Farmington where, where I work. So she was a part of our team for a year, uh, which we'll get into, and that, and that was really great. So um, Rose, how are you?
1: Doing good, good <laughs> thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for taking some time. Um, like I said, I I, I couldn't imagine uh, trying to have a, a podcast that that showed a, a lot of inspirational side to our industry uh, without without thinking about you. And I mm-hmm. think you know I think it's interesting too because you'll be able to kind of educate uh, people listening on a, a little bit of what food service is like in the military, which. Um, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to learn a little bit more about uh, working with the uh, military Olympic team over the years. But, you know, just it's it's not something that everybody knows about. And, and I think we should know about it. You know, we should know what our servicemen and women are, are doing for sustenance and and how that all works. It's fascinating to me. I'm sure everybody else will agree. Um, so, you know, let's just get started and, and jump in with with kind of your your journey. I mean, take us way back to, to a, a younger Rose when you were, <laughs> <laughs> you were just starting out and you just, uh, getting into culinary school. Um, let's go back there and, and, and tell us how, where, where you went and, and how that progressed.
1: All right. So, um, way back when, um, I was 22 years old and, uh, I started working at a place called the Carson city nugget in Carson city, Nevada. And, um, uh, On my third graveyard shift, I was a waitress, on my third graveyard shift, uh, there was a cook across the line and he came over and he put these signs up in the window and it said, Audrey, Irene, and the new babe. And I was like, and the new babe. And I looked across the line and I said, excuse me, I do have a name, you know. And he walked around. He was like, like this. And he walked over and he ripped the name down. And then he wrote my name and put it back up. So that, that guy, that cook, he became my husband. He's my husband now for 30 years. Oh, that's Uh, awesome. Yes. So, um, so he's really the first person that inspired me to want to go into the kitchen, to not be in the front of the house, to be in the back of the house. And, um, his dad, uh, Ray Picard, Chef Ray, he is, had, was involved with the High Sierra Chefs Association, a uh, very well-known chef in the area. And so they both really inspired me. And um, so we put him through culinary school first. And then when he got out, uh, we already had a child together. She was only nine months old, Crystal, my daughter. And of course, I already had my, my two boys for my first marriage. And um, I decided, you know, I really wanted to go to culinary school. So um, I saw an advertisement on TV for the California Culinary Academy in San Francisco. And at that time, if people don't know what the California Culinary Academy is, um, at that time, it was about third in the nation. It was a really highly rated school. And so we decided, hey, what the heck, let's try to do this. We moved to San Francisco and a whole bunch of stuff happened in between, but I was able to get through the culinary school and and graduate with a certificate of baking and pastry
0: arts okay cool uh and then worked your way did you stay in in that area or where where did that no
1: we went yeah we went back to nevada so um yeah we went back to nevada actually he went before me because it's i don't know if, if any if you've ever been to the bay area or lived there it's, uh, well, actually, your um, first podcast, he was telling you about, I think it was your first podcast, was telling how expensive it was to live in San oh, Francisco. Oh,
0: San Francisco, yeah.
1: Uh-huh, yeah, it was crazy. I lived in, um, I ended up living in a little one room, um, just one little room on a floor where we had to share a bathroom with, like, nine other people. Wow. Yeah, so, but hey, I got through, I got through the school. So, um, nice. my husband took the kids to Nevada, and I followed Nice.
0: So uh, you stayed in Nevada for a while, worked your way through the ranks. And yes. um, what, what was your kind of ultimate uh, pinnacle position as a civilian um, in, in in the pastry world?
1: Um, so yeah, I worked my way up. Um, I learned a lot of things in the, you know, in the big commercial kitchen that wasn't anything like culinary school. And I had a great pastry chef. Her name is Brenda. And um, she taught me a lot of things, not just about, you know, baking, but about um, just really basically like attitude and um, and being positive in the kitchen. And uh, so once she left, I was told, because like she could she could make these wedding cakes that were spectacular. And she made these beautiful like buttercream roses. And for some reason, the only thing I couldn't do was buttercream rose. So the chef told me, if you practice and you can, show me, if you can make these buttercream roses. I'm going to step you up to pastry chef. Can you imagine that? Right. Cause so you can probably imagine what the, <laughs> what their choices were in the area. So they were like, yeah, we got to just step her up. <laughs> so, um, I practiced at home with some decorator buttercream every day in front of the TV, just piping out roses. And I got them roses down in about a week and I got promoted.
0: Nice. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, and and ultimate and were you running the show at that point? That was a promotion. I was. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. I was running the show at the time. Cool. How long did you do that there?
1: Uh, let's see. I stayed there about three years, and then um, you know when we were young, we were we were wild. We did some pretty crazy stuff. So um, we ended up making a trek to Boise, Idaho, for a little bit, and I worked for Boise State University. And then we always for some reason ended up coming back to Nevada. And when I got back, uh, Chef Leo, I uh, kept seeing him every Thursday. I go check in that I wanted this job because they were building the kitchens at this brand new casino from the ground up. And so um, I kept going in there and bugging him that I really wanted this job. And uh, finally, once it got close, he hired me. And I actually got to start the bakery from the ground up, did all the costing, um, you know, all the inventory, getting the inventory in. Uh, had thirteen bakers under me, so that's where it really took off with getting some good experience in.
0: Cool. Um, okay, so you you do that, and and you you were the executive pastry chef of a couple of different places in Nevada, correct?
1: Uh huh. That was um, the first one was Carson Valley Inn and Casino Fandango.
0: Okay, and how long were you at Fandango for?
1: Uh, I was there for five years, and I was there when I decided to join the army.
0: Gotcha. Uh, so you're there, you have this, this great career, worked really hard to get there, master of buttercream roses, <laughs> um, and, and, then, and then you joined the Army. So how old were you uh, when you decided, I'm going to join the Army?
1: So I was 39, and, um, and I turned 40 in basic training.
0: Okay, so, so that begs the question and you know what this question is, oh, uh, why, why uh, <laughs> did you get to 39 and, and get to this executive pastry chef position? Why did it ever occur to you that now I'm going to join the army?
1: Yeah, so um, if anybody out there's listening has ever worked in a casino kitchen, they know it's pretty wild. It's a pretty crazy lifestyle. Um, you meet some real characters in there, and um, I was just really like, I was just really tired of it. You know, it was um, 24 seven, seven, you know, get off work, the managers hanging out, drink tokes, yeah, everybody goes to the bar, you know, it was, it was a pretty, pretty wild life to, to live. And um, so my son had been into some trouble and he was locked up, uh, unfortunately for six months, but right when he was about to get released, all his friends started calling calling, calling. I said, oh no, this is not happening. So I picked up my son and I said, look, I'm giving you 10 minutes to change. You're going to change your clothes and we're going to go down the office. And he was like, okay, mom. And he was 17. He, He wasn't 18 yet. So I took him down there. And when we walked in the door, the recruiter had been my dishwasher at Carson Valley Inn from like seven years prior. And he's like, Hey chef, how you doing? You know, we have all these great opportunities in the army for, um, for cooks. And he, he did the ultimate, like reeled me in, like the, the best recruiter move ever. So, <laughs> so, so he, um, so he, uh, sorry, my little oh, headphones. Right. So he just um, he got on the computer and started showing me all these things the, like the really cool things that you can do in the army, like all the competitions, um, the Pentagon, training with industry. He was showing me all these really um, cool things that you can do in the army. And so I was like, wow, you know, I don't really have much like going on. Everything's the same day to day. And I always wanted to serve my country because my dad, he was a, um, a Marine. And I um, said, so I always wanted to serve my country. And if I don't do it now, I'm not going to have a chance because they were taken up to 43 at the time because it was Iraq wartime. And um, my son joined and I joined as well, but I had, he joined before me because I had to lose quite a bit of weight. So um, I was about 171 pounds and uh, I'm only barely five foot three, barely. And um, so I had to lose a good 30 pounds before they would take me.
0: Right. So you, yeah. you go to pick up your son. He, he got into some trouble, got locked up for a little bit. You go to pick him up, and your plan is that you're taking him to the recruiting office, the Army recruiting office, uh, whether he liked it or not. Mm-hmm. And they basically recruited you Yes. while you were doing that.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And, and then yeah. next thing you know, you're getting ready to join the Army.
1: Yeah. Yep. I ended up uh, going in, this was around, I would say May and I was at basic training in October.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So now let's, let's just take a a half a step back there. Um, (laughs) Your husband, Chris, uh, what, what's he thinking through this whole thing?
1: (laughs) You know, he's always, always supported everything that I've wanted to do. Even if it's crazy, and I've always supported him and what he wanted to do, yeah. And um. And you know, we were we were hanging in there, but we weren't making that good of money. You right. know what I mean? And the the health care is terrible out there in you know in the in the restaurants. I was paying five hundred dollars a month, um, for the family's insurance back then, and that's you know first you have to meet like a $2,000 deductible and things like that. But the real kicker that got me was they, they're they like, hey, we have a sign-on bonus for cooks, $25,000. So I'm like, sheesh, you know, that was kind of the kicker that got me to say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do this.
0: Yeah. So, okay, all right. I, I get the supportive thing because I, I know you and I know Chris and And I can see that, you know, he's been, you know, you've both been nothing but supportive of each other. And I can see that because I know you, anybody who knows you guys uh, knows that. But still, uh, you know, this isn't like, hey, I think I'm going to go to school (laughs) for psychology now. Um, Right. This is joining the army. This is like possible deployment. This is, uh, you know, moving around all the time. Like what I, I, I almost wish I was a fly on the wall uh, when you came home and first mentioned to him that this <laughs> is what this is what you think you want to do. I mean, what was his actual response? He loved it. Really?
1: Yes, he loved it. He was wow. like, he thought it was the greatest idea. Wow. Yeah. We discussed all the positives of it, you know. We we discussed a little bit about deployment. But I never really, I never really took in, this sounds funny, but I never really took in the whole deployment war, everything. I didn't really take that in. I just took it as, hey, this is going to be something that's going to be good for me. I'll do my four years. I'll take my bonus. I'll get out.
0: Wow. Yeah, and that's I- that's a pretty big, <laughs> uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a pretty incredible <laughs> level of, of support. Yeah, I think about like my kids my kids are only five and seven. And I, I feel like when, when our oldest Luca was, I don't know, he might've been, he might've been five at the time. Uh, You know, we're sitting around and kids are always, you know, saying what they want to do when they get older. And, and, and he said, I want to be a soldier. And even I, you know, knowing that he's only five, (laughs) even I was like, all right, buddy, you might want to take a few years to think about that. Let's just wait a little while. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right <laughs> you know
0: so uh it's it's really cool that that you had that support and still have that support yeah um that's awesome so so you go to basic training where did you do basic training
1: uh at Fort Jackson South Carolina
0: was it as hard as you imagined harder than you imagined
1: um it was it was about as hard as I imagined I thought actually I really thought it was going to be harder really but yeah, but the drill sergeants, they, I think because of my age, yeah they kind of took it easy on me a little bit. So if they had one of their little smoke sessions going on and I had to take a break and maybe put a knee down, they never said anything. They just kind of let me slide. But if it was the younger ones, they weren't sliding on anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you ever like look at your drill sergeant and say, hey, you know, this is a lot easier than I thought it was going to be?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, it's funny because... um I think it was probably after the first week of being in, we all got in line to get our M16s. And we're standing in line and I'm like, what is going on right now? And so I step up and they hand me my my M16. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with that? I'm a cook. And they're like, just take it and move on. (laughs) Because I really didn't think like, like I was saying before, I didn't really think things through. Right. Like, um.
0: Can you I, see that? Yes. <laughs> there it is. That's one of my favorite pictures of, uh, of Rose from a time when I, when I, I didn't know her yet, but, uh, That's I see that funny. picture and I'm like, man, she is a badass.
1: Yeah. I got pretty good at it actually. So
0: <laughs> from, from I, that, I wouldn't moment, mess with you
1: <laughs> from that moment of what do you want me to do with that? I'm a cook. To that, yeah, I got, I got really good at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you didn't start out as a cook, uh, like right away. I mean, that, that was kind of the, the goal. But right away, how, how did it go? You get out of basic and then where do you go?
1: Um, so I was part of a program called the, the ACAS program, which is the mm-hmm. Army Civilian Acquired Skills Program. Okay. So normally you would get out of basic training and you would go to AIT, which is your advanced individual training. And there they train you how to cook, how to follow recipes, um, how, how to do field equipment and things like that, how to operate field equipment and things like that. But because of my past experience and, um, and already having my surf safe certification, they were able to push me straight from basic training straight to my kitchen. So I went straight to my unit.
0: Okay, gotcha. So you were, you were actually cooking for soldiers in Iraq?
1: Um, no, so um, I first got to my unit and then um, I was called into the office for my little counseling briefing that they had. And I was told, hey, we're leaving for Iraq in, in three months. And so my heart kind of dropped and I said, you know, this is getting real. And um, so I actually cooked there
0: for a good three months. Uh, before I got to Iraq got and then, you were cooking in a dining facility
1: I was I was yeah. cooking in a dining facility they had me on short order
0: <laughs> <laughs> I told I told the um, I told the
1: the sergeant in charge I said hey I can bake anything I could teach these soldiers how to you know like properly finish a pie or a cake and how to cut them and she said get out of my face Picard and get over there and make those french fries <laughs> <laughs> I went home and cried that day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what are what are like the I, I know there's a lot um, and, and I've been to some dining facilities what do you think that the major differences are between cooking in the military uh, in a dining facility as opposed to in the civilian world like yeah there's challenges for both um, but you know, I don't think I, I, like I said in the beginning, I don't think anybody really knows any, any civilians really know what goes on with, with food service in, in the army or the military yeah. in general.
1: Yeah. So, um, of course you still have to do PT. So, um, yeah, that's your physical training. Uh, everybody, it doesn't matter what your MOS is, you got to do your physical training. So that's gotta, that's gotta fit in with whatever schedule that you're scheduled to cook. Um, also um, you know then you have other training that you have to do as a soldier as well as being a cook and then once you're in the kitchen they have uh, recipe cards they call them recipe cards and you have to follow them to a t Um, they have a system called atmos and this is basically their um, system of ordering food keeping track of inventory and printing off recipes so you're not allowed to detour from the recipe where in a regular kitchen you'd be like, "Hey, that needs some more salt," or "I think I need to add a little shot of vinegar or something to it." Where you're not, you're issued exactly what is on that recipe card, and you have to make it.
0: And that's so that. that
1: was the big, that was the hardest thing for me.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So there's not like any any soldiers taking creative liberties in in a dining facility.
1: Not at all. Not at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. my dad my dad cooked in the army, uh, and I remember he he described what it was like back then and and you know when when he first told me the story he was telling me you know why the the food at that time was so was so terrible in the army and he said you know it was funny because we the government bought the best ingredients you know we got good mm-hmm. quality stuff he said but these recipe cards they you know he said back then he said you know the, the least educated people would get put into the dining facilities to cook. And, and he was one of, you know, he didn't go to college or anything. And um, so they, they made these recipe cards and I don't know if they're, they're still similar, but he said they were like, you know, one recipe card was like 30, 40 steps. And, yeah. and step one was like, open the box. Yeah. Step two was pour it in the pot. You know, it was very. Uh-huh. But he said well, what what would happen was you started with these great ingredients and good recipes, but you know the the guys would get lazy and and they would they would get through steps one through four and then they they just didn't want to do five through eight so they skipped to nine <laughs> and by the end of it it was barely what what it was supposed to be. I, I know it's uh, not quite like that now. I just thought that was funny, but he he did describe yeah. those cards. Um, so now there is another thing, and, and I don't know, were you ever an enlisted aid? No, I didn't. That's about the only thing I didn't do. Um, I have worked alongside of
1: some of the enlisted aides, but I never did the enlisted aid program.
0: Gotcha. Because yeah, I know that some of our <coughs> mutual friends, um, and obviously you know more than that, but uh, are or were enlisted aides, and, and that that's kind of a different dynamic for the military too, because um, there, if I understand right, I mean, when you're working for a general um, or, or, you know, reporting to somebody and you're exclusive to them, uh, you can have a little bit of creativity and, and do some higher end stuff, right? Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I did have the opportunity
1: um, to work at the Pentagon. I worked at the Army Executive Dining Facility. And so we worked for the Chief of Staff, um, Secretary of the Army, Sergeant Major of the Army, all the, the top leaders. And um, it was basically like a restaurant where the people would come in, um, all one-star general and civilian equivalent to a one-star general um, were members of the dining facility. They could bring guests and they sat down. We took their order. It was typed into the computer and came out just like tickets in a kitchen. And uh, we had a lot of creativity there with, um, with the different recipes, specials, um, everybody was encouraged to submit recipes, things that we wanted to try.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's important to note, um, and and I plan on having uh, quite a few of of the the friends that I've made in the military on here because, um, you know, there is this this perception that that food in the military is not good quality. and you know, there there is no good food. When I tell people that I'm an advisor, for the military's olympic team culinary olympic team i get i get mixed responses you know and people think like wow i didn't know that they were doing anything great with food in the military and it's it's like there's there's a whole other level that people don't know about Um, but even some of the dining facilities i mean i'm sure some of them Mm -hmm. need some work but i've been to some dining facilities that are are cooking great food they are, uh, and and then when you go to some of these big events that the military chefs put on, um, I mean it's 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 amazing stuff that they're doing, and and they're still doing. I mean, I you see uh, chocolate sculptures and tallow work, and you know some of the some of the old school disciplines still being used, um, and and it's pretty cool to see. And, and I really wish that more people knew um, about the 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 level of skill that there is. Within culinary and pastry um, in the military, and I, I feel like you are, and I know you're going to deny it, but I feel <laughs> like you are regarded as probably the the most skilled and talented pastry chef uh, no. in the military. No, don't say no. <laughs> no, don't say no. I, I know that a lot of people hold you in that regard, and it's okay if you if you don't want to admit it. But I know that uh, that that's the case, and. I mean, you know, the work that you did just with pastry, not to mention savory, which you know we'll we'll get to. But uh, the cakes that you've done, and 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 all the the people that you've taught within the military, uh, and the people that look up to you uh, from from the pastry chef perspective, uh, or just the chef perspective, is is pretty awesome. Um, so you know, we we th- we get to a part now where you you make this this decision I don't want to say crazy decision it was the right decision <laughs> it was um, pretty crazy. shocking <laughs> I think maybe is a better yeah. word uh and and you do this you go through basic training you you go through deployment um but a- at some point in in your military career you you were presented with a pretty major obstacle in your life um yeah. and I I I would love uh, for you to share that and uh tell us, cause this is a, you know, a big part of the in- inspiration of, I think of your story.
1: Yeah. So, um, I was at the Pentagon, I was working at the Pentagon and, um, one day, uh, it sounds kind of weird. I'll just be honest. We're having a podcast. Let's talk honestly. Yeah, okay, Let's do it. Um, I was having a weird dream. I kept having a weird dream about, I mean, we've all had dreams about being naked. Right. So I kept having dreams about walking around you know, nude. Uh-huh. And so I was telling my husband, like, and this was for three days, I was having this dream. And I'm like, I keep having this weird dream. And it kind of just planted some kind of seed in my head. And I hadn't done a breast self-exam in a long time because I was so busy at work. We were, you know, I was going to boards and learning everything there was in the Pentagon. And I was just, I was just at my highlight. Like I was just rocking it, you know? And I thought, you know, I better do a self breast exam. And during that self breast exam, I found a lump. And so I was like, yeah, it's probably nothing. You know, I don't have time for this and stuff. So um, about three weeks goes by. And I mentioned to one of uh, my NCOs who was in charge of me. I was at E5 at the time. And I mentioned to my E6, I'm like, yeah. Um, I'll just let you know, I'm going to have to make an appointment soon. You know, I found a lump in my breast and I'm sure it's nothing, but I got to make an appointment. And so he's like, okay. And so then another day goes by and he asked me another day. I put it off and he says, look, put that stuff down right now. You're going to go in the office, you're going to make the appointment. So I went in there, made an appointment. And uh, sure enough, I had to go through a big process of seeing my primary care provider and then, um, and then they sent me to Fort Belvoir. I had a mammogram and uh, yeah, indeed it was breast cancer.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah. So, so how, how does that, um, what happens in, 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 a, in a military setting? You know, what, How did things go from there?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people, there was a lot of talk about, hey, she's gonna have to get out. And I decided, hey, I didn't come to the Pentagon or come this far to just give up and get out you know, I was really determined to stay in. And so my chain of command, they were super awesome. Um, So uh, I had to go for surgery. First, I had a lumpectomy and the entire team, I walked in for surgery at 6 a.m. and I turned and I looked and my whole team was there. And I was like, oh my God, what are you guys doing here? And they said, we're here for support. So I had a few complications, uh, through the surgery. So it took a long time. I got out at probably six o'clock. I was supposed to be out by like 2 PM and I didn't get out till like 6 PM. And when I walked out with my husband, you know, actually he wheeled me out. There was my NCO still standing there waiting for me to come out. And so that was, that was just amazing to me. And, um, so then a few weeks goes by and the pathology report came back. And they didn't get all the cancer. So uh, we decided to go ahead and do a lumpect, I mean a a mastectomy. Uh, He wanted to do another lumpectomy and I said that I didn't feel comfortable with it. I just wanted to go, you know, go ahead with the mastectomy. And uh, it's a good thing I did because once I had the mastectomy they did the pathology report on that. And the cancer was scattered throughout my whole entire breast. So, um, and they also uh, removed an 11 millimeter uh, tumor from my lymph node. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that kind of changed the course of things at first, they thought they were just gonna do the lumpectomy. I take a, basically it's, um, it's a hormone blocker. They call it kind of like a chemo pill that you take daily. They thought it was going to be just that it turned out to be, uh, chemo. I had chemotherapy for 12 weeks um, radiation, thirty rounds, and uh, and then on um, this uh, chemo medication.
0: Uh, I've been on it now for five years. Wow, and and how how long was that process from from surgery through all those treatments? How how long of a time frame is that? It was uh, eleven months. Eleven months. Eleven months, and obviously and- during those eleven months, you're not actively participating in any military activities
1: well as far as PT goes not really um I was kind of persistent because I was bummed out I'm not even kidding I was bummed out because I got this dream job and I was like I'm not going to sit on the sidelines so um they still let me come in uh, I would come in at first they're like okay you can come in but you need to sit in the office. (laughs) So they'd let me answer phones in the office, you know, just to give me something to do. Uh, Bald as could be, Um, you know, I lost all my hair. And um, then they put me in charge of uh, the catering, which was pretty awesome. I got to learn a lot there. I was in charge of catering for about, oh, probably six or eight weeks. Um, So that was a good experience to learn that too. But the one thing that Sergeant Alston and Mr. Humbard, they were the people in charge at, at the RDF. They taught me something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. They told me, look, when you get better and you get back, it's going to be here. It'll always be here. They're like, get well, get better, get 100%, and then you can continue on. And so that's really stuck with me. Even now, I get tired. I'm like, oh, I need to do something else. And so you know what? I'm just going to listen to my body, take a break,
0: you know. It'll be there when you get back. It'll be there when I get back. So I mean the 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 courage there and the the tenacity to to just keep going is is incredible, but when you were, you know, during that 11-month period, was there ever a time uh, you know, particularly maybe right after surgery or you know, in the beginning of your treatments, What was there a time when you were you know, you were thinking about throwing in the towel and just saying, I can't do this. I mean, did did that ever go through your head? It did. Um,
1: I have a real defining moment of that. So I was into my second round of chemo and I was in bed and the feeling, there's no way to describe the feeling. It was like my brain was on fire. It was, uh, it's just, it takes everything out of you, wipes all your you know, your blood cells out, everything you got. And I'm laying in bed and I'm just looking out the window and the sun's coming in and it was beautiful. And I thought, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And then this voice said, and I swear to you, I heard a voice say, no, you will get up. And I sat up and I put my feet on the bed. And I remember, I mean, on the on the floor and I remember putting my toes in the carpet. and And this voice said, you will get up and you will get dressed and you will get on with this life that you're meant to live. And it was just this huge, huge defining moment. And it was like that moment that that's the only moment in my whole life I ever felt like giving up. And that moment just pushed me. I got up, I got dressed. My daughter and I went for a walk and uh, I just kept pushing forward.
0: Who do you think that voice was?
1: <laughs> you know, uh, I think it was my dad, you know, my dad is the toughest guy I've ever known. And he, um, he was a cook. He was a cook in the Marines and a badass machine gunner on a half track. And he went through the Korean war. He's a survivor of the battle of choice reservoir. And so I don't know if you know anything about the battle of choice reservoir, but it's one of the worst strategic mistakes the military's ever made ever made it's very interesting to get a chance to read about it yeah, and they call it the frozen Chosen. and he was out there in the middle of it in the winter yeah. and he actually got blown up and my dad went through some crazy crazy obstacles and i have a little cross that um his mother gave him and he carried it all through the korean war and I kept that cross on the whole entire time. I was going through chemo, everything, all those treatments. And I really feel like it was my dad speaking to me.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Wow. Take a, take a, 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 a pause from, from that story. Um, so you, So you did, in fact, obviously you did, in fact, uh, recover and you, you've been cancer free yes, uh, since, which is awesome. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, once you get back to, uh, back to a hundred percent, uh, I assume they were right and all that stuff was there waiting for you. (laughs) It Uh, was. (laughs) And, and then, and then what's next? I mean, I, I know that, uh, you, you started competing, quite a bit in the military with yes yeah, so
1: um I, yep i got to go through um i was part of the pentagon's team and i got to compete with uh sergeant first class ward and sergeant first class alston who are the best if you ask me they are and uh yeah you know them mm-hmm. and uh we went through uh team pentagon at the at, uh, at one of the um the culinary competitions there in fort lee and
0: uh um Sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) That's all right. We went through the Pentagon, uh, through the culinary training. Oh, and so then
1: um, I really wanted to, I heard about this program called training with industry. And so I really wanted to do that. But in order to apply for that, I had to pass PT test. So Sergeant Alston worked really hard with me at getting, you know, with my running. And she ran with me and she timed my laps and she did everything and worked extra hard on planks and all this stuff to to get me up to par and it was the lowest pt score i ever got but i i passed it and i was able to submit my packet for training with industry
0: That's awesome. Uh yeah, and 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 they don't they don't change the guidelines for you just because of what you went through, right? I mean, you still have to, Oh no. you still have to meet the same same uh, requirement as everybody else. Yeah. Um, and I
1: kind of waited till the last minute because I ha- I was bald. And so, um I had I waited till the the regulations for females is you got to have at least 1 inch of hair. So I like waited till the very last minute to get my picture taken
0: and I took my picture with my little 1 inch of hair. So <laughs> Wow. Well, I, know, yeah. I never I never would have never would have even thought of that. <laughs> wow. Uh they're all about all about the, uh, the specs in the, in the military, huh?
1: And the standards, meeting the standards. The
0: standards, <laughs> yeah. Um, so training with industry, that's where I started to benefit from, uh, Rose. <laughs> and and um, why don't you explain what the Training with Industry program is and, and how you brought it to my doorstep?
1: Okay, so um, the Training with Industry program is a program, um, it's, it's for numerous MOSs across the Army, Uh, For 92 golfs at the time that I was accepted to the program, there were three slots. There are currently only one slot left, unfortunately. Um, One slot was at the CIA in San Antonio. The other one was at Stafford in Kentucky, I believe. And then the third one uh, was going to be with the American Culinary Federation. But at the last minute, something happened um, where they had to drop the contract. And luckily, you picked it
0: up. <laughs> yeah, lucky for me. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing unfortunate uh, in that story for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so Rose came to Farmington uh, and joined our team for one year. And you can see uh, the photo that she has uh, over her shoulder there <laughs> is a photo of her with, um, with our team. And uh, I can actually put that same photo up on the screen here. So that's Rose. Uh, this was like your last week, I think at Farmington. It was. Um, so that was kind of that, that was our, um, our leadership team in the kitchen at the time. And you, you know, you you wouldn't get through this interview without me putting up my favorite picture. (laughs) I think this is like one of the best all time pictures uh, of anything ever. Um, I love this picture yeah. so much. This is going to be Me too. The, uh, this. Well, by now, everybody's listening. So they'll already know. But just so you know, this this will be the the thumbnail and the the advertisement for this episode of, of Kitchen Brain. But, um, you know, I, I I don't think we really planned on it at the time when we took this picture. But but I do think that I, I think that this photo says some things, you know, I mean, I, I think it speaks to the the potential and duality of people. Um, you know, I mean, you are so skilled and and again, I wish more people, uh, thought this way or realize this about our service members in all branches, not just the, the, the military, uh, not just the army. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate to get to work with and meet, um, people from all branches of the military and, uh, most of them the majority of them are cooks or chefs in some way shape or form just because of my capacity but you know getting to know everybody you learn you know so much more and and you learn that there is so much more to our service members than just being soldiers um you know or or you know whatever branch they're in it's they're they're incredible there's just incredible people who who you know really care when when Rose talks about her her team that was there at the hospital, um, and and they they came in to see her and they they said that this is support. That's that's what it is, you know. That's what it the is. military is. It, it's what people what people put into it and what they get out of it, and it's the reason why you know I think we're, we're we as a, a country are so fortunate um, to have that that standard of character. Uh, fighting for us and uh, and doing what they do, so um, that's pretty cool. So yeah, that that that's my <laughs> my favorite photo.
1: I love that one um, too.
0: <laughs> that's a good one. And so you did the training with industry with us, and it was it was really cool. Um, you know, to have Rose at, at Farmington because you could tell by now at this point of the interview how inspiring of a person she is, and she's she's like that all the time. You know, there there's nothing <laughs> different about Rose when she's at work. When there are people around uh, her, there are people being inspired by her, and it doesn't matter what level the the the, the people are at. Um, I mean, you can just even just being a follower or a friend on social media. You know, she's always putting up these these inspirational things. Uh, you know, and and encouraging uh, everybody to just go after it, uh, whatever that is, and. She did that for us at Farmington and it was, you know, probably one of the most impactful intern, I would say, presences that I've ever had in any kitchen that I've ever run. Um, you know, of course, all the interns that we have contribute positively and we value all of them and they all have their, their stamp that they put on us before they leave. Um, but there, there's just something magical about <laughs> what Rose brings to her room. And uh, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make it uncomfortable here. Um, but, you know, it's true. It's true. And, and everybody says it. Uh, everybody that 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 you would talk to would say the same thing. Um, but, you know, it was also there were there were definitely a, a, some humorous times because um, and I, I like to tell this story. And when Rose and I spoke the other day, I brought this up. But obviously, Rose was deployed to Iraq and she told us she shared some stories with us about you know, what it was like being, being there and um, told stories about, you know, when, when there would be mortar shells, you know, or incoming or, you know, (laughs) if if that's, that's, I'm pretty sure they they call it incoming.
1: Yeah. Um, But they were, you know, they
0: took fire at least close by close enough to make me uncomfortable. And she (laughs) would tell us those stories. And there was one night when we we had put Rose. So Rose, your strength, I should say that your strength was pastry. So I tried as much as possible to keep you away from the pastry shop, uh, to keep you out of your comfort zone and, and throw you more into the savory side of things to, to help you become more well-rounded so that when you left and, and became an instructor at Fort Lee that you would have uh, a little more uh, foundation there. But there was a night, uh, Rose was on the line at, at what was our, our fine dining restaurant and she was working the grill station and it was a busy night and and i don't think you had put many nights in before that on that line no so you're fairly new and the tickets you know i mean they're just pumping out of the machine and i walked in the kitchen and, and i could see <laughs> i could just see that look you know that that line cook deer in headlights you know just <laughs> overwhelmed with with uh, with fear of the tickets and uh I leaned in the window and I said, how you doing, chef? <laughs> and she said, I don't know, chef, that machine just won't stop. It just keeps coming. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was kind of freaking out. And I said, I said, Rose, weren't you in Iraq? I mean, didn't you tell me stories about taking fire in Iraq? And she said, yeah, chef, but you could run from that shit. I can't get away from this thing. <laughs> And it was so true. <laughs> oh man, it was great. It was great. Yeah, yeah so many good times we had there. Um, it was awesome. So <laughs> that you you moved on. Uh, well, no, let's not talk about that yet. Let's talk about another huge uh, milestone in in Rose's career and life. Um, wanted to. Well, there's two actually. We 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 uh, Farmington was a part of two huge milestones in your in your life. Um, so first, Rose, being as tenacious as she is and and wanting to uh, go after anything that that's in front of her, uh, she really wanted to compete at the savory uh, portion of competition. Um, most of most of your competing up until that point was with pastry and and cakes and centerpieces and desserts and things. So. Uh, you wanted to throw your hat in the ring and, and compete at Fort Lee um, for the, the joint culinary um, exercise that they have every year, which, by the way, every year at Fort Lee in Virginia, um, what takes place there is the largest American Culinary Federation competition in the world. And they give out you know upwards of 200 medals in the course of, of a little under two weeks. Uh, It's all it's all servicemen and women that 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 compete. So it's it's not a civilian thing. There is actually international uh, installations that come in for that and compete as well. It's a massive, massive competition. Mm -hmm. And more people should know about that also. But so Rose goes to that, you know, decides I want to I want to train for savory, and I want to do a hot food competition. So uh, you signed up for a, a, what we called a K-comp, which was um, how many portions was it? Was it two or four portions? Uh, it was four. Four portions, uh, one hour. One hour. One dish, uh, and and she chose lamb, and we started training at Farmington to get her ready for for this competition, and and you could see it too. You you see that that work ethic and that drive. Um, you know, she was unstoppable when it came to training, you know, you could tell that that's just something that was a part of her and and a part of her, her ethic. And, uh, she, she worked really hard. I was a judge. I wasn't a judge for her competition because it obviously would have been a conflict of interest, but I was a floor judge, uh, at the show for other categories. So I was able to watch, uh, and everybody was laughing at me because I, she was cooking, (laughs) and I was pacing back and forth. Uh, and it it looked like I was an expecting father um, (laughs) because I, you know, it's stressful to, to, to be somebody's coach, especially when you care so much about the person and the outcome. Um, you know, you get, you get really invested and stressed out about it, but, um, but she did great. And, uh, you tell him.
1: Yeah. So, um, it's, it's amazing the training that I got at Farmington because, not uh, you know i got really individualized training from chef chef mike but the other Sioux chefs i swear they probably knew all all of my menus better than me because they had to try it so much and um and so uh it was just amazing because uh, the train you gave me chef i remember you standing there and watching me and you would tell me Uh, you were writing down notes during the whole thing. And at the end you'd say, hey, you took too many steps to do this. You grab the spoon, you set it down, you did this, you did that. And then as I was going on the second round, uh, chef was telling me, I, I got a little bit lost and he was just like, it was so great because you know I'm good at taking orders. So he's like, pick up that spoon, turn around, put it in the pot, grab that pot, put it on the thing. And I was just boom, 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 boom. Everything he told me to do, right? And so then I was just able to execute after that. Um, I remember Chef Charlie, Chef Charlie, awesome, uh, him giving me a little speech before I went off to do the competition. He was like, yeah, um, Chef, I just want you to know no matter what the outcome is, you've worked really hard. uh, Everything's a learning experience. And I looked at him and I said, Chef, I don't even know what you're talking about right now because because I'm going to win this thing. He was giving me the little speech, you know, about, Hey, just remember it's a learning experience. No, I'm going to win this. So (laughs) I'm a big competitor. So, uh, yeah. So I ended up, uh, rocking it out, got it right up to the minute, the last minute, and I got a gold. So I got a gold in that category.
0: Yes, you did.
1: It was amazing.
0: Yeah. uh, (laughs) My dirty apron apron That makes me cringe. (laughs) Another one of my favorite pictures there. Um, me too. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, so you had one other thing uh, at least at Farmington. Um, you wanted to go out for the certified executive pastry chef certification, mm-hmm. and that is something that is anybody who knows me knows that I am far. From a pastry chef, uh, I don't, I don't pretend to be a pastry chef. I, I it's not, not my deal. But uh, we, we kind of pulled our resources together a little bit, and you already had. I mean, you had, you didn't need to learn uh, anything about pastries to, to pass that certification. You already, you already had what you needed to uh, to do that from a knowledge perspective. Um, but you trained for that at Farmington too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I started off um, actually when I did the certification it was the third time I did it so um, the first time I was asked hey do you want to do a certification I said hey what the heck I hadn't even practiced a menu or done anything so uh, it was that was a good learning experience Um, the second time I did it I practiced a few times and I still didn't pass. So that was about enough to make me a little bit angry. So I took that anger and I just kind of pushed it towards how can I be better and just really rock this thing out. So um, I got, I actually got a styrofoam dummy and practiced my piping on there over and over again. Uh, Started off small, what you taught me to do one thing at a time. And then bring it all together. So, um, yeah. So I ended up passing. It was uh, it was hard, but anything worth it's hard. <laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, hard is relative too. I mean, you you <laughs> there 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 wasn't a whole lot of uh, of difficulty, but I think leading up to that for for you and and obstacles that you didn't already overcome um, that didn't prepare you for that. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's so, so, you know, you, you become an executive pastry chef in the civilian world. I have to recap here because there's so much, uh, (laughs) executive pastry chef in the civilian world. Uh, you decide to join the army, uh, at age 39, you went through a deployment in Iraq. You have a breast cancer diagnosis. You, you beat that you stay in the army, you keep going uh, you do this training with industry program that you had to pass a PT test for. Uh, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to choose to, to meet those requirements, but you, you chose anyway, you did it. You do the training with industry program. You decide to prove that you're worthy to be in a savory kitchen. You get a gold medal in, in a, a savory competition at the professional level. You go for your, executive pastry chef certification and you achieve that, um, you know, then you, well, let's talk about, uh, the, the pastry side real quick, because I I don't want to make it sound like you've only gotten one medal in, (laughs) in a competition kitchen. I mean, you have, you have several medals, uh, from, from the pastry side of things too. Do you, do you have any idea what the count is on, um, on pastry metals 17, 16 yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. That's cool stuff. Um, <laughs> so any any regrets? I don't have any regrets no uh-uh I really don't.
1: Um, yeah I I don't have any regrets. you know maybe I have a little regret. okay, we'll talk about when I was younger. So um, being, I'm not going to say that I regret it because it got me to where I am here. But I did miss out a lot on my kids growing up because I worked, both my husband and I, my husband was a chef as well. And, um, and we both worked in the restaurant industry. So I was gone every Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, Mother's Day, <laughs> you name it. The whole entire time of them growing up. And then I didn't want my my chefs to go through, like my my chefs to go through that, and so a lot of times I'd say, "Hey, let's go in early. We'll get set up for Christmas, and I'll stay through the buffet." And so I'd let them go, but yeah, that's that's a little time you can't get back.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, and you you just retired recently, so how long how long were you in the army from? Uh, well, total.
1: Um, yeah, so um, thirteen years. Um, I medically retired. Uh, I ended up breaking my ankle a couple of years ago, falling down some stairs and I couldn't run anymore. And then the side effects from the chemo pill, um, it causes a lot of um, joint pain, muscle pain, things like that. And I couldn't do the PT anymore. So um, I ended up medically retiring as a 100% disabled veteran on uh, May 29th. And now I am working At this, as an instructor at the Senior Leader Course, and um, that's SLC, and basically that's where the 92 golfs come and they go to school, and they're learning uh, what they need to learn as a advanced leader. So they're learning the AFMIS program, which is the program I was talking about uh, previously, where you know you have you keep track of your inventory, how much money you're spending, rations going in and out, and all that. Uh, we also teach serve safe, um, leadership, marketing and stuff like that. So that's what I'm doing now.
0: Wow. So now you're paying it forward.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Awesome. Uh, any, any advice for anyone who, you know, any advice for anyone who is looking or, or has thought about changing course, um, in their life or in their career, you know, anything from, from all of your experiences, what, what advice would you give to anybody at any stage of life who's, who's looking to make a, a, a change or, or on the fence about that?
1: I just really feel like if it's in your heart, just go for it, you know? If, uh, like I said, if it's really, you know, something that you wanna do, don't let anybody stop you. Um, when I was gonna join the army, I love I love the chef I work for don't get me wrong god bless his soul his chef Axel he um he was the executive chef at Fandango and he when he heard I was going to join the army and it was wartime he was a little flipped out because he was a he was a Vietnam War vet and I walked in his office one day and he had these pictures of dead soldiers on on the on his wall hanging up and I said Chef what, you know, what is this? And he goes, I want you to know what you're getting yourself into. And I said, you know, and he kind of like chewed me out. He was a German, German chef. And, <laughs> and I said, chef, I'm, I'm doing this. This is really what I want to do. And then after I'd been in a couple of years and things went by, he wrote me an email. Actually, I think it was when I was in Iraq, he wrote me an email and said, Hey, I'm really proud of you for what you had done. And, um, and, and that you, you know, went for it. So my advice to anybody out there is, hey, just just do it. If it's in your heart, go for it. Don't listen to what anybody says to you.
0: So, thirteen years, right? Thirteen, you said. Uh huh. Thirteen. How many years did your son stay in the army? Yeah. So he only stayed in for six months. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah,
1: so he got uh, he got into a little trouble in AIT. And the drill sergeant asked him, you know, are you serious if you wanna get in or, or you know, if you wanna stay in or do you wanna get out? And he said, I wanna get out. So basically, you know, it was mom forcing me to, to go in and, and he wanted to get out. So he did and he's actually doing really, really great right now. Um, he was working for Tesla for a little while and um, now he's learned the plumbing trade. So uh, yeah, he, everything worked out really great for him but the military just wasn't something that was for him.
0: Yeah, that, that's great. That's pretty wild though. I mean, you, you know, the, if you think back to the original plan, you know, it's like right? you're going to pick him up and you're like, I'm going to set this kid straight. We're putting him in the army and uh, <laughs> you wind up serving 13 years and uh, he does six months.
1: But if you uh, think about it, like if that hadn't happened, I'm truly a believer in things happen for a reason. So if he hadn't got into trouble and we hadn't walked into that recruiter's office, I might not have been on the path that, that I've been on, so I agree. Uh, I, it you know it's kind of weird to say hey thanks Adam
0: for <laughs> for that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, speaking of thank yous, I have a question, and I I, I would imagine you've been asked this before, and um, I, I probably have asked a couple of people before. What is the, and this is like off topic, but this is just a civilian asking a question to a service member. Okay. Thank you for your service. I have heard two different opinions on how service members feel when a civilian says that to them. Uh, what is your perspective on that? Like, what, what do you think or what do you think the consensus is, if there is one, uh, from service members when a civilian sees them and says, thank you for your service?
1: Well, um, it's, it's a nice feeling, honestly, when uh, somebody thanks you for their service. And I always come back with them. They say, thank you for your service. I always say, well, thank you for your support. Because, you know, the American people support our service members. But like, in all honesty, you know, you can't really, when it happens on the spot, you can't explain, you know, I just, I just come back with, thank you for your support. But for me, the U.S. Army has done more for me than I feel like I could have ever gave back. And so when somebody says, thank you for your service, I'm kind of like, thank you, U.S. Army, you know, (laughs) because, you know, just with, with everything that I've, I've gotten from the army, I try to always put in, uh, well, I was always trying to put in back in a hundred percent.
0: Sure, all right, cool. <laughs> um, well, Rose, Chef, uh, Sergeant First Class, all your, <laughs> all your, your titles. Retired. Uh, retired, sorry, retired. <laughs> um, thank you so much for, for doing this and for sharing your story. Um, you know, you'll always be close to my heart and, and we'll always keep in touch. But um, I'm, I'm really glad that people are going to get to hear, uh, hear your story. People who don't know you need to know you. Uh, and, and I would feel really selfish to think that, um, you know, I, I had a chance to be inspired by you and, and then not share that, that inspiration uh, with, with the rest of With the rest of the world so that that's that's what this was all about for me and uh i truly appreciate your time and thank you for your service (laughs) thank you for your support (laughs) um yeah so so we'll we'll keep in touch and and hopefully you guys can can get back to charlottesville to to visit a little bit see our new kitchen and and hang out because i'd love to catch up but uh in the meantime stay safe uh, good luck with your new gig. Uh, give my best to Chris, and uh, and thanks a lot. Stay well. Brain.
1: Thanks for having me.